You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. This is our fourth lesson of a five-lesson series, so we're almost there. We've learned that integrity is who you are and what you do when no one is looking. Integrity is conceived and rooted in our private world. Now, I want it, by the Spirit of God, we want it to give you a comprehensive, a holistic appreciation for integrity. It is one of the most important series that a pastor can share with this church, integrity. So, to give you a broad understanding, we're talking about the pillars of integrity. A pillar is a vertical column that supports a structure or supports a building. And the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, that you and I, believers, us Christians, we're God's building. So we're looking at the four pillars that support us and support our integrity. These four pillars are honesty, consistency, purity, and authenticity. Honesty, consistency, purity, and authenticity. Honesty, come on, let's say it. Honesty, consistency, purity, Authenticity. Come on, let's say it one more time. Honesty, consistency, purity, and authenticity. Now, we've talked about honesty. In our last session, we talked about consistency. And in this session, we're going to talk about purity. And here's where we're going. The first part of the lesson will be the introduction. We'll get on the same page. The second part of the lesson today, we're going to talk about the two kingdom value systems as it relates to purity. And then the last part of the session, we're going to talk about keys to walking in purity. And then for all the parents, our children's director gave me some information on books that you parents can share on this, in this area with your children. So that's where we're going. So let's talk about purity. What is purity? I'm framing purity within the, con- in the context of sexuality. So what is purity? Purity is sexual fidelity, submission, to the Bible view of sex. Let's look at that for a moment. Sexual fidelity, submission to the Bible view of sex. So there are two parts to this. Sexual fidelity. By that, I mean faithfulness to God with our bodies. Being faithful to God with our bodies. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, it says, 
you do not or we do not belong to ourselves. God bought us with a high price. So we must honor God with our bodies. Come on, touch your body. Come on, touch your body. We must honor him with our what? We must honor him with our bodies. So sexual fidelity has to do with faithfulness to God with our bodies. But notice it says submission to the Bible view of sex, which implies that there's another view. There's the world view of sex, and then there's the Bible view of sex. Second definition of purity is that purity is setting boundaries or limits around our sexual behavior. Setting boundaries or limits around our sexual behavior. Third definition of purity is that purity is a total commitment of our sexual needs our sexual desires, our thoughts, and our actions to God. So as a believer, come on, how many believers here? You're born again, you're born again, you're born again. Come on, look at me, look at me. If you're born again, okay, so we're going to commit, make a total commitment now to God. We're going to submit our sexual needs, desires, thoughts, and actions to God. Now, through this lesson, I'll challenge different groups. I may challenge parents. Sometimes I'll challenge uh, the guys. At, but I want to talk to my single guys. How many single guys got here? Let me see your hand if you're a single guy. Okay, I got, I got some single guys. Now, I want you to focus single guys on this third definition because it's a total commitment of our sexual needs desires and thoughts and actions to God. The reason I'm singing you out, not to embarrass you, but it's something about sex and men. It is, it is, it is, it's as though we, we have a commitment to God. We really saved. We love him all right. No doubt about it. But it's something about that sex area we don't fully, some of our guys don't, and I'm just challenging because God's raising up a different group of men now. We don't commit this part of our lives. We don't commit this part because we have been trained from a worldly perspective. So now you got the single women, I don't know if it's some exceptions, but you got your single women trying to live a celibate life, but you got us Christian guys putting pressure because we still have a worldly mindset. So I'm, I'm talking to you now. I'm, I'm challenging you. Now, listen at this. Sex is God's idea. Say God's idea. Okay, it's God's idea. It's not man's idea. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and, and join his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and they both, naked, they both were naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. 
Now notice they were naked, man and wife, and the Bible says they were not ashamed. Come on, say not ashamed. So right away, listen at this, we see that sexual attraction and sexual need are not dirty or evil. Sexual desire or sexual need are not dirty, not evil. I wish someone had told me that because, see, when I was coming up, nobody talked about it in my house. Nobody talked about my house. And my dad, my mother, when I talk about dad and mom, I'm talking about the dad and mom who raised me, not my birth parents. But my dad was the greatest man who ever walked the face of this earth next to Jesus. That's what I thought about him, okay? But he wasn't going to say nothing about no sex. I mean, he just blushed all over himself. You brought up the word sex. I mean, he wasn't going to say nothing about sex. It was like it did not exist. Now, my mama would talk about sex. She was a little fast. She, she, she would talk about sex. But her, her, the sex education I got from her was, listen, don't be bringing no baby in here. Oh, that's my sex education. Don't bring any babies in here. Don't bring any babies in here. And if you need some help, I'll give you some help. That's my mama talking to me. She said, now, I'll give you some. Protect yourself, you know. But don't be bringing no babies in here. Okay? So that's my sex education. I was glad she did talk to me because since she talked to me, I could go to her and talk about some things. Like when them little bugs got on me. I, I, you know, see, see, I don't have sex education, but I'm out there, see, in the streets. And all of a sudden, I got what, let me, let me, I shouldn't say it like that. I got some love bugs. Uh-huh. I got some, anybody know what I'm talking about when I say love bugs? Okay. We used to call them crabs. I didn't know what was going on. See, I didn't know what was going on. I went to mama. I said, mama, I said, mama, I don't, I don't know what this is, but this ain't good. This is not good. And she told me, she said, now you get you some blue star on it. And uh, it'll fix it for you. And it fixed, it fixed it. So I did have some communication with my parents. But I didn't, I didn't have this kind of information. So I had this idea that there was something dirty and something nasty and something wrong about sex. Because if you don't talk about it in a biblical perspective, then the Satan trains us in the streets, okay? And, and, and it'll flow even into your married life, okay? So sexual attraction, sexual needs are not dirty or evil. The desire for enjoyment of the opposite sex is a basic, natural, and divine gift from God. It's a divine gift from God. It is a divine gift from God. There are three primary purposes or reasons God created sex. Number one, procreation. Number two, enjoyment. And number three, communication. Procreation, to give birth to children, to be fruitful and to multiply, Genesis chapter 1 says. He created sex, but he also created sex for enjoyment. 
and for communication. Now, I want to read from the uh, New Living Translation, verse, chapter 5, verse 15 through 21. I want to just read this text as a foundational text to help us understand that God created the sex thing. It wasn't the devil. The devil didn't create sex. It was God that created sex. Now listen at this. It says, drink water from your own well. Share your love, love, only with your wife. Why spill the waters of your springs in the streets? In the streets. He said, don't be out in the streets. Having sex with just anyone. You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is the loving dear, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy. That's in the Bible. Ooh, that's in the Bible. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breast of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord, now listen, the Lord sees clearly what a man does examining every path he takes. Now, when you read this passage over here in Proverbs chapter 5, it almost sounds like God created sex for man's, for man's pleasure. But when you read other texts in the Bible, for example, when you go over into 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it, and the, the, the third verse, it says that the marriage bed or sex in the marriage bed should be a mutuality. In other words, it says that the husband should render due benevolence to the wife. So it should be a mutual satisfying experience. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, now listen at this. Now that we understand that God created sex, it's his idea. He created it for procreation, for enjoyment, for communication and expression of love. Let's move now to the second thing. Let's talk about the two, the two value systems as it relates to sexuality. Two value systems. The Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 13 in the New Living Translation, it says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, we've learned this over the weeks that there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness, and then there's the kingdom of God or the kingdom of God's dear son. Satan now is the kingdom, is the king over the kingdom of darkness. Jesus is the king over the kingdom of God. So we got two kingdoms. Now, how many of you are born again? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Okay. Now, you have been transferred. Watch this. You and I were in the kingdom of darkness when we were unsaved. When we received Jesus, God transferred us over into the kingdom of his dear son. We're in a different kingdom. Come on, say, we're in a different kingdom. Come on, come on, talk to me. We're in a different kingdom. Come on, say, we're in a different kingdom. And we're glad we're in a different kingdom. Now, listen at this. 
When we moved out of the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of God, it was like an act of immigration into a new country. Now that we're in this new world, the kingdom of God, we have to learn the values of this new world we're in, this new kingdom. We had values about sex over here, but God doesn't want us to take these values and pull them over here into this kingdom. It's a whole different world. Come on, say it's a whole different world. Okay, now, listen at this. Let's talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of Jesus values sexual purity. The kingdom of God values what? Come on, talk to me, what? Values what? Well, right away, we know that the kingdom of darkness values sexual immorality. So we got two things in juxtaposition. We have the kingdom of God, sexual purity, the kingdom of darkness, sexual immorality. Okay, now let's talk about God's value system over in the kingdom of darkness. Now listen to me carefully. Listen, Jesus is king over this kingdom. And he establishes the guidelines, who, how, when, and where sex is to operate. Okay, let me ask you a question. I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you a question because I want you to walk with me now. How many of you are born again? Let me see your hand. Okay, let me ask you another question. So who is your king? Come on, talk to me. Who is your king? Okay, so Jesus is our king. Come on, say Jesus is our king. As king, he has the right to set the guidelines of who and where and how we navigate through this sexual thing. Does that make sense to you? So let's talk about three things and then we'll move over into the other kingdom. Now, number one, let's talk about Jesus order. Number two, let's talk about Jesus' outlet. And then number three, let's talk about Jesus' intention. His order, his outlet, his intention. His order, his outlet, his intention. Now, Jesus' order for sexual expression is heterosexual. It is what? What does that mean? Huh? Huh? Okay. Jesus' order for sexual expression is heterosexual. In other words, it is to be between a man and a woman, or it's to be uh, uh, between two of the opposite sex. Amen. Okay, now follow me now. You said, well, you're going to talk to me like that. I'm going to try. Everybody know that right there. Okay. But we're not living like it. Okay, we're not living like it. Okay, so his order is heterosexual between a man and a woman, right? That's his order. Anything else 
Now follow me. I'm not trying to be ugly now. But anything else is disorder. Okay. Here, Jesus' outlet for sexual expression is marriage. Right? In other words, a heterosexual, a man and a woman in marriage, a monogamous, that means one marriage at a time. One person at a time. So we got his order is heterosexual between a man and a woman, and his outlet is marriage. Say marriage. Now, I'm going to share something with you. You've never heard this before. This is going to be a deep revelation to you. You're going to say, ooh, we, when you hear this. According to this, then, sexual relations is only for married people. Ooh, what you say? It is only, come on, listen to me now. And I'm talking to our kids too. Sex is for married people only. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. It's for married people. Come on, let's say it. Sex is for Come on, say it again. Come on, say it again. I wish someone had taught me that. Because I was a virgin up until my senior year in high school. Wasn't even thinking about sex. Wasn't even thinking about sex at all. But nobody ever taught me the, that from the Bible that sex was for married people. I was taught something else. What were you taught? Were you taught that sex was for married people? It's for married people only. Let's look at the third thing. Jesus' intention for sexual expression is that it be a part of a what? It's to be a part of a what? It's to be a part of a what? I want to take a few minutes now, and I ain't thinking about watch today. I ain't thinking about this, okay? I want to talk blood covenant for a minute, okay? If, you, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this text, Malachi chapter 2, verse 14. Because in order to understand sex from God's perspective, you have to understand blood covenant. Now, in Malachi chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Yet ye say, this is the King James Version, Yet ye say, Wherefore, because the Lord has been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy, she thy companion and the wife of your covenant. She is your companion and the wife of your covenant. Now notice two things. God said that he is a witness to our marriage ceremony. How many married people here? God was looking at your ceremony and the Bible says he was a witness of your ceremony. 
And God considered that ceremony not just a legal contract, but you enter into a blood covenant relationship. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. Listen, listen to me. This, this is going to be a great blessing to you. A great blessing to you. Now, when you talk covenant, and, and you can validate this, First Samuel chapter 18, when, when Jonathan entered into covenant with David, in covenant relationship, when two people, parties, enter into a covenant, there were certain things. They would exchange clothes. They would exchange weapons. They would exchange name. And there would be a shedding of blood. Now listen to me carefully. When they exchanged garments or clothes, it meant everything I own, you have access to it. Everything you own, I have access to it. When they exchanged weapons, they were saying, I promise to defend you. You promise to defend me. When they exchanged names, they were bringing these two families together. That's why when you get married, you take on the name of your husband. That's a part of covenant relationship. But there was always the shedding of blood. So God intended, now listen to me carefully, God intended for virgins to marry. Follow me. He intended for two people, the man be a virgin and the woman be a virgin. And when they come together, there is a membrane called the hymen that covers the partial opening of the vagina that had never been broken in the marriage ceremony or the marriage consummation on the honeymoon, that hymen would break and the blood would be shed. And God would see that that couple had entered into a covenant relationship. Now, you may be here, you may say, well, oh, Lord, I broke that a long time ago. Okay, okay. That's all right, that's all right. You can make a commitment today if you're single, that I am going to live a celibate life and God will accredit that to you as celibate. So he'll do that for you. You understand? But we, 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 need to, we need to let our kids know what's happening in that marriage ceremony. Now, listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. God never intended now for sex to be a, just a physical act. You follow me? He never intended that. He intended for the sexual act between a man and his wife, he intended for it to be a vital part of a broader commitment of spirit, soul, and body. Totally committed to one another. In other words, when you get married, the two lives become one. Everything is mutually shared and mutually owned. So it's not a casual expression of bodies rubbing together. No, it's a covenant relationship that God looks at and he honors that. Now listen to me carefully. Sex, I don't mean to get too graphic for you now, <laughs> but sex has a physical design. Sex has a a soulish component 
And sex has a spiritual component to it. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Come on. Spirit, soul, body. Come on. Spirit, soul, body. Come on. Spirit, soul, body. Now, God intended for the sexual uh, uh, experience to combine all three elements. Now, look at me. Don't grin now. This is a female. See the female? This is the male. See it? Vagina, penis. Got it? In the sexual experience, Physically, watch this, there's a penetration and the bodies come together, right? right? God intended for the bodies to come together. Now, that's what happens physically, okay? But there's a soulless component that takes place in sex. There's a, a soulless connection that takes place. It says, for this cause shall a man leave his, his father and mother cleave. The word cleave means to stick to as glue. So when a person engaged in sex, it's not just a physical act, but there's a soulless connection that takes place. We call it a soul tie. God intended now for husbands and wives to have a soul tie, a godly soul tie, because sex is addictive. There's an addictive quality to sex. That's why it's so difficult for some people to get out of it when they get in it, because there's an addictive quality to it, because God wanted a husband and wife to be addicted to each other. And that's why if you engage in casual sex and there's no covenant relationship, even when you go your separate ways, a part of you go with that person. And that's why people struggle so even after they break things off because there was a soul tie that took place and God intended for a husband and wife to have a godly soul tie and to be addicted to each other. But there's a spiritual side. There's the physical side. Then there's the soulless side, and then there's the spiritual side. When God sees the husband and wife in sexual relations, he sees unity. He sees oneness. And that's why the Bible says that we're to dwell with our wives with knowledge because we're heirs together. And that's why it says if a man doesn't dwell with his wife properly, it'll hinder his prayers. Because God sees that connection. And he intended for those people to be able to do life together. But Paul took it to another level over in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says, and I'm paraphrasing, this sexual relationship between the husband and the wife is really a message 
about Jesus' love, unity, and commitment with the church. So now we have physical, soulless, and a spiritual component to this sex thing. It is a covenant relationship. And that's why God takes it so seriously. And that's why Satan takes it seriously. Okay? So we see the order, we see the outlet, and we see the intention. Okay, now let's flip it over and let's talk about the kingdom of darkness. Let's talk about the kingdom of darkness. Now, you have to understand that Satan is not a creator. He's not a creator. He's a perverter. He takes, he looks at what God calls order and he twists it. If God says up, he says down is right. If God says left, he says right is right. So now listen at this. In the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of darkness, the value is sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. The Greek word for sexual immorality is the word pornonia, and it's the word that we get pornographic from, pornography from. This word, sexual immorality, is translated whoredom, idolatry, idolatry. It's the worship of your body. It's also translated fornication, which means a surrendering of sexual purity. So when God says, now here's the order that I want sex to be in. Here's the outlet, and here's my intention. Well, Satan comes in, and he says, no, no. What we're going to do is we're going to remove all the limitations and all the boundaries. And we're going to call this freedom. We're going to call it freedom to do whatever you want with your body because it's yours. God says, no, 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 no. God says, your body is mine. He said, your body doesn't belong to you. And he said, I want you to honor me with your body. But Satan said, no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So let me give you a list of his order. His order, and we're going to ask Satan to see whether it's true. His order is premarital sex. In other words, sexual relations involving unmarried people. Well, let's ask Satan. Is that good? Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Don't be a prune now. It's for everybody. It's not just for the married folk. It's for y'all single folk too because God, God knows y'all have needs too. And after all you engage, you know y'all going to get married anyway. So you, and In fact, you don't want to marry nobody and you don't know whether y'all compatible. Who does that? Who married somebody you hadn't had? Who does that? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And then Satan said, well, we'll add some adultery to that. That's sexual relationship by married people outside of their marriage bond. Freedom. Take away the boundaries. Go with who you want to. Sleep with who you want to. 
In fact, I'm separated. My wife and my husband, we're not even together. We ain't planning on getting back together either. And then you got, I almost said dumb Christians, but I, that's me. Uninformed Christians. Dating folk who are separated. Because the world says if you're separated, you're not married. And then say, well, let's, what about homosexuality, lesbian, same-sex relations? Forget that order. You can have sex with whoever you want to. If you're a man, you can have it with a man. If you're a woman, you can have it with a woman. It's okay because God loves you. And then he says, how about some transgenderism? If you don't want to be a man, be a woman. If you don't want to be a woman, be a man. You can choose because you're human. You got rights. And then he said, what about some bisexuality, pansexuality? Just be fluid anywhere you want to go with anybody you want to be with. And then he throws some pedophilia because there's no restraints with him. Pedophiles, he said, now if you like kids, that's all right too. And then he throws some bestiality now. So now you're touching your little puppy in the wrong way. See, y'all think I'm just trying to be funny. See, you, you think I'm just trying to be funny. There are people who are having sex with their puppets. Incest, sexual activity between family members. Pornography, huge in the church. I dare say, and I don't mean no harm now, I promise you I don't mean no harm. I'm just ministering now. Some of you struggling with pornography, sitting right, listen to me. Because he told you it's all right. And then you got, I'm going to ask you a question. Because you got married couples, married, watching pornography together. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Is that all right for a married couple, married couples to watch pornography if they, are, they agree to it? Y'all look like, I don't know whether we should. Y'all got that look like, I don't know, should we? Well, think about it. Come on, just think. Just think with me. Just think with me. The man left his my father and mother cleaved to his wife, and they were naked and not ashamed. Why would God want a husband to look at another woman to get excited about his wife? Or converse, why would, that, why would God think that you can turn on by another woman, another man, to have sex with your partner? That's worldly. Well, we've grown. we married. We can do what we want to. No. You can do what you wanted when you were unsaved. You don't belong to you now. You're in the kingdom now. And you know. Come on. 
Your husband can't be looking at nobody else because we like looking at naked women. I can't believe he said that. I said it because ain't no man going to say it. We like looking at naked women. I don't know why y'all looking at me like that. Y'all know you're your holy self. I know you don't talk in tongues, but you like looking at naked women. We do. All of us like to look at naked women. I'll be out there by myself. Because I know you're sitting next to your wife and you don't want her to. I know that you ain't got to lift your hand because you, you know, you know. That's between me and you. Between me and you. So you can't afford to be looking at somebody else. You can't afford it because you can't handle it. Because you're going to want her to do what you see that girl on that video doing. You want him to do that, that kinky stuff he see on that video. And he can't be that and she can't be that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what is God's response? I'm nearing toward the end now. What is God's response to sexual immorality? Two words. Can anybody tell me? What does God tell us concerning sexual immorality? Watch this. Flee fornication. Flee. That's a strong word. He didn't say tiptoe. He said, he said, run. Why? Because there's something that's going to hurt you. They have never, never established anything to, to bless. He said, run. Because it's going to hurt you. And that's why many of us are struggling Christians because we were all over the place, all over the place. And now we're in a good marriage and we're not satisfied because we've been all over the place. That's why you got to take the blood, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 says you can cleanse your consciences from dead works. You can take that blood And you could say, Jesus, I want you to cleanse my consciousness. Get all them girls out of my mind. Get all them men out of my mind. I want you to cleanse it from all evil. The Spirit of God will reach down and take all them images out of you. In fact, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of that, that, that spirit operating in your life right now in the name of Jesus. I want everybody lift your hands up. I break the power of that spirit right now. I break the power of that spirit. 
attacking our children. I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. I come against you, love spirit. In the name of Jesus, I command your power to be broken now. In Jesus' name, I command you to go in the name of Jesus. And I loose the blood of Jesus to cleanse the consciousness. Cleanse the consciousness of all those who are listening now. Cleanse their consciousness from evil works. You're going to discover freedom. You're going to discover freedom you haven't had. You're going to discover, I call you free right now in the name of Jesus. I said that you are free right now. In the, and I command those spirits to go now in the name of Jesus. I break the power of those habits, those addictions. I bind that spirit over you now in the name of Jesus. Go now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I don't have time to turn to it, but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 11, it says, you were all these things. And it talks about adultery and fornicators and homosexuals. They say, you were these, but you are sanctified and you are washed. Paul was writing to people who had all those struggles, and he said, you were these. Now, he also warned us. He said, now, if you keep engaging in those kinds of things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He's not saying you're going to go to hell, but he says, you're not going to be able to walk in the fullness of what God wants you to walk in if you're in everybody's bed. You're sleeping all around. You you, you, you got to cut that junk out. You got to cut it 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 out. That's worldly. We're kingdom citizens. We're kingdom. Now, I'll close with this. Five, well, get, let me give you some keys to keeping yourself pure. Some keys to keeping yourself. My renewal, number one. You've got to get in the word, meditate in the word, get in the word, because everything is coming at you, commercials, uh, magazines, uh, cell phones, social media, everything is trying to get, give you a worldly worldview. So you've got to spend time meditating the word, uh, Romans 12, 2. Thought management, cast down imaginations. Cast down anything that tells you it's all right to be sexually immoral. Number three, ask God for more grace. Listen, here's a transparent moment. Years ago, years ago, say years ago, I was struggling, man. I was struggling. Pete and I, was, we were having problems and stuff like that, and I was tempted. Oh, yeah, I was Oh, my goodness. What were you tempted to? I was tempted to go outside my marriage. Shoot, man, I wanted to do it so bad. I, I said, and I went to God, and I said, I said, God, I said, God, I said, God. See, God already know anyway. I, I said, God, I am struggling, God. I'm struggling. And he said this to me. I heard him. He said, ask me. For more grace. Oh, I know what that scripture means. He said, ask me. He didn't get on me. He said, you shouldn't be tempted. You shouldn't be tempted. You shouldn't be tempted. No, 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 no. He's the father. He loves you. And I was running to him because I didn't want to mess up. See, I didn't want to mess up. My flesh wanted to mess up, but I didn't want to mess up. And I said, God, I'm struggling. And I heard him just like you hear, say, hear me right now. He said, ask me for more grace. 
I didn't even know that was in the Bible. But the Bible in James 4, 6 says, in the Bible. And I said, God, see, I didn't know what, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what grace was. I said, God, give me more grace. I cannot explain it to you. I cannot explain it to you. But the very thing that I was struggling with, it broke. It broke. I mean, it just broke. And it, it wasn't willpower. It wasn't me gritting my teeth. No, no, no. It was me going to God because you always run to God. You never run from him. Amen. Never run from him. Amen. You run to him. And I said, God, I am struggling. And my daddy told me, ask me. Ain't that something? He had the grace, but he said, now you ask me for more grace. And I said, God, give me more grace. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. And I can't, I don't know how he did it, but he gave me strength to say no to what I wanted to do. Am I talking to anybody here? Am I talking to anybody here? So ask for grace. Close the doors of exposure. The five doors. Can I give them to you right quick? The five doors. You got to close these doors. You got to close these doors. Ears. Mouth, eyes, thoughts, and relationships. You got to close these doors. That's how Eve got in trouble. She was listening. There are certain things you should cut out your ear gate. Okay, you following me? Satan has to enter doors into your life. Certain things you're listening to. It could be music. It could be music. You can listen to some music, it turns you flat on in the wrong way. And you have to close that door. If it's, an ear, if it's something you're listening to, if you're on your job and somebody's trying to talk you into something, you got to shut it off. You got to shut your ear gate off. Number two, you got to shut your mouth. Cut out the flirting. No flirting. We all know what flirting is. Come on. Do we know what flirting is? Do you know when you're flirting? Okay. You can't be throwing these little hints. You look good to me. Okay. All this. And you look at her all. Yeah, you, you look good. And she over here. Do I? <laughs> you think I'm? You think I'm? No, no, no. Cut it out. All the flirting, you know when you're flirting. Eve was talking to the devil. She shouldn't have been talking. Your eyes, you got to cut off your eye gate. I shared this what happened to me years ago. God taught me a principle about them eyes. Okay. Anybody remember fatal attraction? Oh, we in church. Y'all going to be holding on me right now. How many remember the movie Fatal Attraction? Okay, it was one of them movies, Fatal Attraction or one of them. But that was years before all this stuff, you know. Now it's blatant. But in that time, it was just kind of, they were trying to get it into the system. Pete, my wife, was watching that movie. I was in another room. And in the first part of the movie, it's this heavy sexual thing. Anybody remember remember that? Okay. Okay. It was a heavy thing right in the beginning. 
he called, said, Mike, come here, come here. She wasn't calling to me so we can get off on the thing. She was calling me because she was so surprised at how blatant it was. So I came in the room, and I stood up, and I was watching. I watched it the whole time. I'm feeling bad. I shouldn't have been watching it. I'm feeling bad. Okay. And then I finally decided, I better get out of here. Okay, I walk out. I went to sleep, and the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, these words, you open the door to the spirit world. And I was like, woof, woof. I'm going to repent. I said, oh, God, I, you know, I'll plead the blood of Jesus on my eyes, everything, you know. But he taught me something. I'll be six or seven in a week or so, six or seven years old. Let me tell you something. I don't allow myself to sit up and look at stuff. I love movies, love movies. We can be sitting at a movie. I'm talking about I'm a grown man. My wife is a grown woman. And we see certain things coming up on that movie. And the next thing we know, close your eyes, close your eyes. We in the movie like this. I can be watching TV. If some come up and that sex thing come up, I, I turn my head. I don't, I, don't let that, I don't let that go through my eye gate because Satan has to have an avenue. Now, see, some of y'all, y'all think, oh, that's so childish. No, 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 no. My whole family, we could be in the movie. Hey, turn your head, turn your head. You ain't looking, are you? You ain't looking. Hmm. I think it's over. I think it's over. Now, see, you, you think that's silly. But I ain't struggling with pornography. I'm not struggling with it. Because he taught me the lesson that Satan has gates. You open the door to the spirit world, he said, by what you're looking at. There's certain things. See, married women... Single women, married men, single men, listen, we are not supposed to be looking at the nakedness of people. The only naked person you should see, guys, is your wife. That's the only one. And all you singles, we ain't supposed to be looking at none of that. Because you opened the door to the spirit world. Turn your, I know it may sound crazy. It may sound like I can't do that. No, turn your head. Don't let it go through your eye gate. Turn your head, close your eyes. Don't let it go through your eye gate. Because that's, that's the door to your soul. Satan can't just come in and just jump on you. He has to have ways to get to you. Am I talking to anybody here? Is, is this helpful? That may be, that one thing may be helpful for you. You understand what I'm saying? Women still look attractive to me. They still attract God. Then pluck out my eyes when I got saved. So I have to make sure that I don't allow anything to go through these eye gates. Six or seven, just like this. Men mm -mm. get no access to me. 
You ain't getting no access to me. I don't want to see nobody but Miss Pete. Just Miss Pete. Am I making sense to anybody? All I want to do is help you. I I just, I know what Satan is doing. He's trying to squeeze us through this sex thing, man. He's trying to mess us up. Sometimes you may... Sometimes you have to have, uh, you, have to, you have to also cut off certain relationships. Yeah. If certain people turn you on, you just got to cut it off, y'all. And then sometimes you may need an accountability partner, somebody that you can be really honest about. Guys, you can talk to this guy and say, man, I'm struggling right here. And that guy can pray for you. Or girls, you have a struggle. You got somebody you can talk to to help you walk this walk. Is this helpful for you? Amen. That was, that was my best shot, y'all. I gave it my best shot. <laughs>